Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast designed to help nonprofit organizations raise more money. That really is something I think every nonprofit wants to do and achieve greater success at your fundraising events. I'm Danny Hooper, your uh, one of your hosts here on Events with Benefits. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer based in Canada, um, out of uh, Edmonton, Alberta, and Victoria, British Columbia. I'm joined here by my co-hosts. Ian Loth, who is the Vice President of Marketing at Winspire, and we're sitting in your world headquarters here today in sunny Southern California. That's true. Welcome down again, as always. How was your trip down this time? Was it good? Uh, no. And I can tell you what, because whenever I fly down, uh, I fly into um, John, Wayne. John Wayne Airport here, and that's the airport everybody flies to go to Disneyland. So every plane is always full of screaming little hyped up, sugared up little kids that kicked the back of my seat for three hours and they all got their little frosty backpacks on or what's that what's that character on who the frost who's the frozen, frozen. Fro- the little the, uh, they got the little pink frozen backpacks on I haven't seen the movie yet. Anyway, so I'm always exhausted when I get here. Nonetheless, thanks for asking. Well, I was, I was that you actually just painted a perfect picture of what I figured you would look like if you were to go to Disneyland with your little backpack (laughs) and uh, plenty of sugar, uh, just hopping around from ride to ride. Am I incorrect? (laughs) Funny, very good. We'll get on with the podcast here in a few minutes. But uh, last year, Brendan and I went to Disneyland. We we hadn't been for years and years, so went to Disneyland because we so desperately want grandkids, and none of our kids are cooperating. So, but I'll tell you, after Dane Disneyland, we don't want to go back to Disneyland, and we don't even want grandkids now. <laughs> All right, our other co-host, Renee Zhao, and uh, Renee is, uh, uh, owns a company called Donation Match, based out of San Diego. Renee, always great to be working with you. Thank you. I hope your trip this time is a lot better than your trip to Disneyland. Yeah, there you go. Well, we've got a great podcast today. Our guest is uh, Ken Davenport. He's the CEO of a company called Mission Edge, and uh, real interesting, they look after kind of the back end of the the business side of fundraising and um, they specialize in working with companies that are doing that with budgets that start around a hundred thousand dollars a year so I don't know that today's episode is geared at the small school groups necessarily or the small church groups but if uh, for the organizations the nonprofits that have a, a, a bit larger budget uh, his company look after finance HR fiscal sponsorship leadership coaching mentorship and things like that yeah, you know, it's really interesting. He, he really talks about this idea of social enterprise. And thinking about your organization, uh, so often uh, nonprofits are, are just really struggling for that next grant uh, or that, you know, next influx of money from an event coming in. And uh, what he does, he challenges nonprofits to come up with, uh, you know, unique revenue streams so that, uh, you know, they're not totally reliant on, you know, the, the next, uh, you know, time money is going to come around. It really allows you to have an operating budget that, uh, you know, you can go do bigger and better things. So uh, he's a, he has a really unique business here. Uh, works really hard to, to. It's kind of an accelerator for for these organizations who um, you know who are doing some really really cool things out there. And I think Renee, you were the one who connected us with uh, Ken. How did you uh, How did you meet him? Well, so Ken is actually at Zumba, at Zumba classes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see Ken doing Zumba, <laughs> but no, Ken is actually a very supportive participant in the San Diego startup world as well as in the nonprofit world. And uh, it's funny too because his wife was actually my first intern at Donation Match um, many, many years ago. Gosh, I think it was. Uh, 
four or five years ago already. And, uh, but that was completely independent of how I met Ken and just really, um, you know, Ken knows what he's talking about with regards to business and nonprofits. And I think his emphasis on earned income, uh, helping nonprofits be sustainable, um, and still be able to focus on their impact is a really valuable lesson. Well, it sure is. He's uh, out of San Diego, as Renee said. I'm surprised how many of our guests here on events with benefits are, are events with benefits are based in California. But when you hear Ken explain, there's something like nine thousand registered nonprofits in San Diego alone. This really is kind of the epicenter here in North America for fundraising. So that's uh, where we get a lot of our resources. Uh, nonetheless, no matter where you're uh, sitting, listening today, or uh, walking, or riding, whatever you're doing, uh, this is valuable, hugely valuable information. Once again, as on every episode of Events with Benefits. Let's say hello right now to today's guest, CEO of Mission Edge, Mr. Ken Davenport. Ken Davenport, CEO of Mission Edge. Great to have you with us on Events with Benefits here today. Ken, first of all, thanks for sharing your time with us. And uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about uh, your company. You are what we refer to as a social enterprise. And uh, maybe you can tell us about Mission Edge and what exactly is a social enterprise. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, we are technically a nonprofit, but we derive most of our revenue from from our fees. Um, so, say ninety percent of our budget comes from uh, fee for service work we do with uh, mostly with other nonprofits and increasingly now other social enterprises. So, I define a social enterprise as a social impact organization that derives some or all of its its budget from earned revenue. Uh, generally, generally the activities that it does in the community uh, to have an impact, but sometimes there are activities that are unrelated, uh, like you know selling a pair of shoes and giving away a pair of shoes. Uh, that's a that's a social enterprise. Uh, so what we do at Mission Edge is <clears throat> primarily provide um, back office support, operational, finance, accounting, HR, uh, some light IT. Um, support for other nonprofit organizations so that they can focus on their mission and not spend a lot of time uh, dealing with business operations issues that they tend to um, not be real attuned to and, and don't spend a lot of time and don't want to spend a lot of money on it. All right. Now, our listeners on this particular podcast range from small little school groups and church organizations and sport teams on up to the major hospital and health foundations and everything in between. Uh, who would your typical client be? Yeah, or good maybe question. just describe, describe your typical client. Generally, um, so the, our clients run in, in size on a budget standpoint from about $100,000 a year to about $2.5 million. Um, generally, um, organizations that are on the smaller side have a lot of needs and don't necessarily have the budget to hire someone full-time. So we provide support on an as-needed kind of outsource basis, on a, you know, kind of a consulting basis. And then at the higher end, um, we do work. We provide um, full accounting support. So we may provide their full accounting team and also uh, run their HR work as well. And above two and a half million, you know, generally you have uh, enough of a budget, enough operational needs that you end up hiring your own folks. And so um, for larger organizations, we may use some CFO level advisory services where we're helping their on-site controller. Um, maybe we're working with the board or on the HR side, we may provide 
some targeted HR support and help their operational HR persons on staff uh, deal with some of the issues that they're facing. All right, let's talk about uh, your typical startup, a nonprofit that is just uh, really getting off the ground. Where would you where would you engage with them, and where would we get started? Right. So it really depends on on um, how early in the startup sort of cycle uh, these organizations are. We have a, a program called Fiscal Sponsorship where uh, we provide basically an incubation service. So if you're very early on and you've got some ideas about uh, you know, how you can improve things in the social sector, perhaps you've got a product or a service you're thinking about, you're looking to develop some programmatic activities or develop something that could partner with another organization and you want to get started in, 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 in testing those models, you can do that underneath our 501c3. So you can basically live under our tax ID status. You can take money from donors. You can uh, put on events all uh, with a charitable deduction. We handle all of the back office operations. We open a bank account for you. We um, handle all of your bookkeeping. Uh, we employ your people. If you have employees and they're on our payroll, we provide benefits. And so basically, until you're ready to sort of graduate to your own organization, you can essentially test your models, see if it's viable in the market, see if people want to give money to it, and sort of test that um, without having to go through the process of filing your own paperwork, getting a lawyer, and um, uh, you know, becoming your own nonprofit. So that's kind of at one level. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say – and. Ken, uh, it sounds like just like many incubators, um, even for startup companies, you do have some requirements or standards, right? You have an application process for this? Yeah, so um, we, we do have um, uh, definitely have an application process. We, we take probably 25% of the organizations that apply. Um, we tend to be very picky because we really want um, the limited resources in the charitable sector to go to things that actually have a chance of of um, not only becoming successful in terms of scaling, but also in terms of solving unique problems. We we have a lot of a lot of startup nonprofits come to us and want to do something in an area where there are already five or six organizations, you know, currently operating, um, doing some good work. And our our really statement to them is usually. Why don't you go talk to them and see whether you can partner, see whether you can do something with them as opposed to starting another organization that's doing the same thing as everybody else. Uh, Ken, do you provide a service to help nonprofits uh, identify grant opportunities out there? You know, we do a little bit of that for our fiscal sponsor clients. Um, You know, obviously part of the the big, you know, part of the challenge of, of growing any kind of startup organization is, is seed capital. And so we do help some of our fiscal sponsor clients um, seek out grants and we support them in the grant making process because they're applying for grants under our, our 501c3. It's our financials that they need in order to get the grant. In many cases that really is helpful. A lot of the small nonprofits, excuse me, a lot of the small fiscal sponsor clients who are applying for grants would, would ordinarily be too small to get some of the grants they're applying for, but because they're applying under our tax ID number with our budget of you know $6 million last year, that we have some of the um, capacity capabilities that a lot of the grantors are looking for. 
And so it's much more likely that a tiny project will get a grant um, as you know, working with us as they would working on their own. Um, for our other clients, we don't do any kind of fundraising assistance. Uh, we will help them source development uh, staff and development executives if they're looking to hire somebody. Uh, but we try to be agnostic and we try to make sure that we're um, providing services at an equal footing to all of our clients. And we didn't, we didn't want to get in the position of, of um, successfully raising money for some of our clients and then having our other clients look at us and say, well, what about us? So it's just not something that we, uh, we, we, we generally don't work in the fundraising area. Ken, it kind of sounds to me like the reason that your business is thriving and and uh, such a success is because uh, you've already been where others dare to go, and it can be so daunting. It's uh, overwhelming to get a, a new nonprofit registered. I'm just kind of curious, what's the survival rate uh, for new nonprofits? You know, they say that, what is it, 80% of new businesses fail in the first three years or whatever. What about, what about nonprofits when they're, when yeah. they're uh, getting act- active? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic question. It's actually something I talk a lot about because I come out of the private sector. I was an entrepreneur and um, started a, a four businesses, um, one of which failed spectacularly, um, the others, one of which didn't fail but didn't do much. And I had some others that were more successful. And I always really appreciated the the market forces at work, which said basically that if you're not doing something that is solving a problem, or you're not doing something that people want to buy, you are going to go out of business. And that is part of the natural cycle of the market. In the nonprofit space, it's different. You know, you have a lot of nonprofits that just exist to exist. They get started, they get enough of a base of support that you know, they're able to kind of keep their budget going. Their budget may be flat for years. They employ a couple people, which is always great. It's great to employ people, but really their goal is to solve problems in the, in the, in the sector. And, so I think there's a lot, there's not as much obsolescence and not as much of the sort of um, life, life death cycle in the market and the nonprofit space as there needs to be. And that's one of the reasons why we started fiscal sponsorship, because we felt like it'd be much better if they could test their models and see if they're successful without actually starting another nonprofit. And then if they are successful and they really want to be a nonprofit, we help them do that. And, if it, you know, obviously they've proven that what they're doing works. But if they don't, if it's not working, rather than have another legal entity that's going to potentially continue on, you know, uh, into the future, they can shut it down, you know, in 30 days and, and go on and do something else. And so we, we really like that process because it allows us to sort of test what works and what doesn't work and doesn't necessarily lead to, you know, I think in San Diego County, there are 9,000 nonprofits, 67% of them have budgets of less than $50,000. So there's a ton of tiny organizations out there and in their own way, they're doing good things. But when you start looking at the finite amount of money that is out there to solve problems in the social sector, you can't get to scale if it's all being divided up between six or 7,000 organizations. Yeah, good point. Let's talk a little bit about growth strategy. If somebody approaches you, they're a new client, uh, you're getting them off the ground. And uh, how do you go about coaching people for growth? Because we know without growth, there's no survival. Yeah, well, we're, we're big fans of growth. And it's interesting because uh, when we look at our clients, 
we really are one of the first questions we ask is, you know, what's your three-year plan? You know, if, if they're not saying that they want to grow the organization and have a bigger impact in the community, then that may not necessarily be a good fit for us, given what our philosophy is in terms of, of, of trying to build scale. So, you know, there are two areas that we've been focusing on lately, and they're a little they're intertwined. One is um, helping organizations build the right board. I think that at, at, at the end of the day, nonprofits sort of live or die based on the quality of their board of directors. And it's not just to have a fundraising board and have people on there with a big name who can write a check. It's also making sure that you have skill sets represented in that board that will help your organization at all levels. And it also makes means making sure that you have a board that is putting the executive director on some kind of performance plan to make sure that that person isn't there, you know, for five years or six years without much growth because the board doesn't really understand what its fiduciary responsibility is in terms of helping run the organization. So boards are, are big for us. The other piece that we're working on now is trying to help other nonprofits develop social enterprise models. So our theory is that if you can diversify your revenue stream to include summer and revenue, then you're going to have a more sustainable um, stable funding base than you do if you're relying 100% on grants and donations. We, we work with a lot of small organizations that, you know, frankly, are they've got big names in the community and they really are doing good stuff. They've got a great, they've got great staff and they, they basically struggle from month to month to make payroll and to make sure that they've got enough funding and enough grants coming in to cover their overhead and whenever they're looking at doing anything new they need to know that that new initiative which is going to cost them more money is going to be funded in some way out into the future so we have a lot of organizations that end up hiring people and then they don't get the grant they're waiting on so they have to fire them i mean it's a very it's a very difficult way to scale and to plan for growth so our theory is that if you can create some kind of product or service where the people are paying something for it and you have an earned revenue stream that you can start to um, build that as you would any for-profit business and have some more sustainable ongoing revenue coming in based on the activities that you're doing. Ken, what so are some of those? Jul- I'm, I'm sorry, but no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I just thought I heard you take a breath for a second. I thought I got to get in with this question. Sure. What are some, what are some of the more successful uh, revenue streams or income streams that you've helped some of your clients uh, create? Right. Well, we're just just getting started on this. We've got um, we're working on a couple of uh, of accelerators uh, that are helping nonprofits, um, you know, build build sustainable businesses. So one of them is in the workforce development area. And we're working with um, eight organizations um, from Goodwill Industries, which, of course, is a big name that's been around a long time, and they obviously have their thrift stores, uh, to Kitchens for Good, which does culinary training, um, does catering as an income stream, and and um, helps um, disadvantaged folks come through and learn how to work in kitchens and understand the culinary trade, and then they go out and get jobs in the restaurant industry. And so we're in the middle of our first um, sort of accelerator program right now. Uh, and then we're going to be launching another one specifically for nonprofits that is not workforce development related. 
in partnership with the San Diego Foundation uh, starting in August. And we're just put out the applications for that. And um, we're going to try to help some of these organizations um, figure out whether there's a, an earned revenue model in what they're doing and start to help them test that out. A couple of organizations that have toyed with this, um, one is um, that we've been doing some work with is, is Arts, A Reason to Survive. They're a... Um, they're a, an arts-based program in National City that helps kids um, with uh, they were economically disadvantaged and have had some challenges um, learn how to make art. And they have a furniture building program where they bring the kids in, the kids build furniture, and then they sell that furniture on the open market, and they've had some reasonable success with it. Uh, another one is called Elder Help of San Diego, which has this uh, – they do – um, work with um, with elderly folks to try to uh, provide support so they can age in place at home. And they have a concierge club where they've provided that service to um, to higher income earning individuals uh, for a fee. And that has helped to subsidize some of the work that they've done um, for free in the lower income communities. Wow, that sounds like a great idea. I just came up with a good idea. How about uh, for some of these elder organizations, they like rent a grandma or grandpa. So during, <laughs> during the holidays, if maybe you don't have a grandma or grandpa anymore, you could rent one <laughs> to come over and have dinner. Would that work? I think someone's done that already. I'm not sure, but I'll, <laughs> I'll have to check. <laughs> yeah. No, this is great. Um, I would, yeah, my question for you, uh, Ken, is is what is the biggest, and you might have already addressed this to a certain degree, but uh, knowing that, I know you're not directly involved with, with fundraising per se, but uh, a lot of our audience members out there are, you know, development directors or event chairs, people in charge of, of running events. Uh, what, what would you say is the biggest challenge uh, that you've helped uh, meet with your mission edge or, or that you just commonly see uh, uh, nonprofits running into when it comes to uh, running their fundraising events or trying to use their events to raise money? Yeah, it's a good question. I think. Um, was it a fantastic you know, question I, or just a good question? Yeah, it's, a, it was a, it's a pretty good question. Okay, <laughs> good. Because I wrote down when I asked you a question earlier, Ken, you said that's a fantastic question. I wrote that out on my pad that I was the only one on the program here today. I've got my two co hosts. I was the only one recognized for asking a fantastic question. So, Ian, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. All well, right. I know you're. I know you're. You're. You're Canadian, so I. I. I, I want to make sure you feel. You know, you don't have an inferiority complex. As there. I always say, we're your defense partners to the north. So, and we're doing a good job of it. So keep us happy. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and if you do build a wall, we'll get over it. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Um, you know, I think that that. Um, you know, events are one of those sort of love-hate things. You know, we, 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 you could go to a, a gallon event every week, it seems. Uh, we get invited to a lot of stuff. The ones that I think do really, really well um, are ones where you're able to really link the programmatic value to the event itself. So there are a couple of organizations that um, are really able to, rather than just throw a nice party, they're really able to integrate kind of the impact, the social impact that they have uh, in the community with the event itself, whether they have, uh, you know, programmatic participants there or they're able to really tell impactful stories that, you know, that really move the event uh, participants to donate. Um, and uh, and so I, I think, um, 
you know, we, we, we find that, that, you know, the, the, the tried and true gala, um, you know, can be a good, um, you know, a good vehicle for, for fundraising if you do it right. And what we've had a lot of clients who actually have ended up losing money on their galas because when you factor in all the staff time and all the things that go into it, if you don't hire it out professionally, it's a very expensive proposition. It takes a lot of time, a lot of planning, and a lot of a lot of soft costs as well as hard costs. Um, so I, I actually have been have advised clients if you're going to do an event, um, you should probably have it done professionally. Spend the money, um, have it organized, you know, properly so that your staff isn't spending ha- you know half of the next you know, six months doing event planning, which they're not really uh, professionals at. Well, good. good I don't know if that answers. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. We don't we don't do a lot of work um, on the event side, um, other than you know, obviously we attend a bunch of events, so we're able to kind of see it from from that end. Um, but I I think um, the gala has. You know, I think there's a little bit of a generational shift with the gala as well. I mean, the galas um, tend to be things that, um, you know, probably the older generation loves. It's more of a social event. I'm not sure if millennials feel the same way about it. And it'll be interesting to see what comes next because I'm not sure that, you know, millennials are necessarily looking forward to, you know, putting on a black tie and, you know, and going to, a, uh, you know, going to some hotel ballroom. Yeah, good point. We're definitely seeing a transition out there right now. We've talked about that in a couple of previous episodes where, uh, you know, it's the baby boomers. They, they're kind of, that's, they're cycling through now and they traditionally have been big givers at live events. But uh, it's certainly yep. shifting, and technology is uh, changing the playing field, as we know, uh, every day. Um, well, Ken, yeah. I tell you what, you've, you've shared a lot of great information uh, with us here today. If people want uh, more information on Mission Edge, where might they be able to get that? Yeah, well, so you can certainly check out our website. It's um, www.missionedge.org, um, and you learn, you know, you learn a lot about the services and, and products that we offer. Uh, if you're interested in fiscal sponsorship, there's some information on the website and an application. So, um, you know, please go there. And uh, if there are any any organizations that you think are could be in need of just some, you know, you know some some support, even if it's just an advisory meeting or anything that we can do to help these help nonprofits, um, you know, thrive and, and function more effectively. I mean, we're, we're always open to having a meeting and just seeing if, if there's anything we can do to help. All right. What about uh, just an initial phone consultation? Are you up for that? If our listeners want to contact you and if so, where yeah. would they reach you? Uh, I'm happy to have anybody give us a call uh, to learn more. Um, they can reach us at 619-269-9267. Uh, and we're also, uh, our offices are located at uh, Liberty Station, and um, we're right above the restaurant Solari, so, you know, we're happy to have people walk in if they want to learn more. You know, please just come over and see us. Well, Ken, you got to stop and understand for a second here, my friend, that people are listening to us from around the world, and, and they don't, and I'm from Canada. I don't know where that little restaurant oh, is. Got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then you can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah. Renee? Okay. No, I, I, I was going to ask, uh, Ken, do you work with organizations that are not based in San Diego? We do, actually. We've had a number of clients in the Bay Area, a uh, few um, in uh, back east, actually. And, and um, so we're fully able to support uh, client work um, pretty much internationally. We've never done anything international, but I'm sure that, you know, with the time change, 
issues, um, you know, uh, outside of that, we'd be able to handle that as well. So, uh, definitely uh, able to do. We do a lot of uh, work remotely. Uh, we use technology as as much as we can, uh, cloud based computing and all of that, to make sure that we're able to support um, organizations who may be virtual or may not be in the area. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ken Davenport, CEO of Mission Edge, based down in San Diego, and providing back-end support for nonprofit organizations that need help in the areas of finance, HR, fiscal sponsorship, and leadership coaching. Once again, if you're at that $100,000 threshold or higher and you're just finding yourself scrambling, Ken's definitely your man to talk to. His social enterprise, a 501c3, Mission Edge, and we thank you very much for joining us here today, Ken. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time.